0: I lost my pencil
1: well John you can't find your pad or your pencil do you know where your microphone is
0: whose house is this <laughs> podcast. I'm your host, John Murphy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Hurdle. Hello. Today, we are going to be taking a look at the 1996 drama thriller, The Ghost and the Darkness, directed by Stephen Hopkins and starring Val Kilmer, Michael Douglas, and Tom Wilkinson. Uh, This was your pick, wasn't it, Matt?
1: It was. This is a movie that I have a lot of great memories with uh, as a teenager, and, uh, when you told me that you hadn't seen it, I knew I had to put it on the list because I really want to hear what you think about it.
0: Hadn't seen it and hadn't even heard of this movie ever. So that's, that's how out of touch I am with, uh, 1996 thrillers.
1: Well, I don't, I don't think you could be considered out of touch for not knowing your 1996 <laughs> thrillers anymore, <laughs> but fair well, enough. I felt
0: like it was an embarrassing moment, <laughs> uh, why don't we go ahead and read the plot synopsis from IMDB. Okay. A bridge engineer and an experienced old hunter begin a hunt for two lions after they start attacking local construction workers. Mm-hmm. I,
1: it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> simplified. I guess that's kind of the, the whole deal with these.
0: I love that they used old hunter to to describe Michael Douglas's character,
1: yeah, he wasn't even really that old, was he?
0: I think he was in his fifties. Seem
1: old in the movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. he was in his fifties at the time. That's not old, really. Hmm. And they they call the the bridge builders construction workers as if they were like on a high rise in Africa.
1: Yeah, it's a little misleading in it. <laughs> they also make it sound like the whole movie is the hunter and the engineer, and you know the hunter That's doesn't true. even show up until what like forty five minutes in or something. That's true.
0: So why don't you give the better synopsis of this movie?
1: Well, I don't know if it's going to be better, but I'm going to try. So this movie opens with Val Kilmer, who's playing the uh, very endearing Colonel John Henry Patterson. Oh, I should start off. I should, I should backtrack. This is a true story. Uh, everything that you see in this movie reportedly happened. Um, And there is this is based off of a book, which is a personal account uh, written and uh, still available today by Colonel John Henry Patterson, the main character of this movie, which is played by John or Val Kilmer. And um, so, yeah, supposedly true story. So uh, the movie opens um, Patterson, Colonel Patterson is going to see this big business guy by the name of Robert Beaumont. And Beaumont is a jerk, and they make that uh, abundantly clear. But Beaumont is hiring Patterson to go into this place called Savo, uh, that's right, Savo, right? Savo, Africa?
0: Savo, Savo.
1: Savo, Savo, to uh, build a bridge, essentially. He's a railroad man, he's bringing a railroad through Africa, and he he wants to hire Patterson to make this bridge. Patterson is giddy at the prospect Uh, because he's dreamed his whole life of going to Africa and seeing this country. And so he signs up, despite the fact that he has a baby that's, uh, or uh, he has a wife that's due to have a baby in five months, or six months. And he has five months to do the job. So that's his kind of guarantee. He's like, I promised my wife I'd be back for the birth. Well, he goes to Africa, and everything's going just great. He's got all these workers. um, You know, they're... They don't really get along great, but they're doing good work, Um, and what happens is slowly over the course of the work of these bridges, uh, of this bridge getting built, they start being attacked by these lions, and uh, you know, at first it's kind of an oddity, and then it gets a little weird, and then it gets really weird when these lions bring down like 40 or 50 people, like attacking every single night and killing people. And so the bridge starts to fall behind schedule. The workers are wanting to leave. They're nervous. They don't like it. They think it's you know a, a bad sign. And um, Beaumont, the, the big businessman, he's like, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a hunter, and we're gonna take care of this problem." And so this enter uh, Charles Remington, played by Michael Douglas, and um, this is again about forty five minutes into the movie. And the two men spend the rest of the movie trying to hunt down and kill these two lions while everyone else is terrified and running for their lives, basically.
0: Way more descriptive than the plot synopsis from IMDb. So
1: I, uh, I, can, I can sense your sarcasm. <laughs> your, uh, your venomous tongue. I can feel it.
0: No venom, no venom. <laughs> uh, Alright, so it's review time let's review Uh, as I mentioned had no idea this movie even existed Matt said let's watch Ghost in the Darkness and I was like oh it's a horror movie Uh, but I've never heard of it and he was like no it's actually a 1996 thriller about lion attacks in Africa Um,
1: in the 1800s I think I left that out of the synopsis yeah Uh,
0: so going into it I was like this is probably going to be pretty boring um one of those dry um factual biopics about real events um but this movie completely threw me for a loop it starts out almost like a horror movie the opening score is very haunting mm-hmm. the opening shot is kind of like starting of a horror movie a little bit and uh but then it kinda transitions out of that into the, the actual actual plot. Um but it's still it's a it is a one of the most engaging movies I've watched in a while. Uh the the at, the lions are almost to me, it felt like a they're like, what if we had this true? St- well, what if we took this true story and we sort of um, paralleled it with Jaws? Like, what if the lions were Jaws almost? Yeah. And the fact that this was a true story is is pretty interesting because they didn't. They I assume they didn't have to do much to make it that because it really was these predators kind of uh, going in and just stalking their prey and just destroying these, these workers. Uh, I thought, I thought Val Kilmer was good as the engineer Patterson. Uh, I thought, uh, uh, Michael Douglas as Remington was, was really good and one of the more standout performances just in how crazy he was and how much I wanted to know more about his backstory and, and his life. Um, the supporting cast was good. There were several actors that I thought did a great job and, and were good as like um, sort of mediaries between the two main characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cinematography was fantastic. There were several wide shots of Africa and I believe most of the shots of the lions were real lions. So yeah, I thought it, I thought it was just great. It, there were moments that I thought it kind of had some holes, like one moment something is going on and then it like cuts and you have a lot of information missing there. Um, so that was a little weird. There's, but uh, oh.
1: there, there's some reasons for that, which we can get into in a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so overall though, I thought it was great. Um, a really good, Movie that I didn't even know existed, so I'm I'm happy I watched it.
1: We're gonna, you know, we're gonna have to come up with like a rating system. I know those are awfully cliche, but like you know, like we need, need like a like a one to six thousand or something, you know, something. Crazy. I'll give
0: it two two paw prints out of four.
1: Two out of four, so a fifty percent. Huh? <laughs> See the review you gave sounded like a little higher than fifty percent.
0: I was trying to be funny with the paw prints. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> well, maybe you better press pause on that one. <laughs> my main man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh my gosh. Or are you lying? Here we go. Sorry, I'm sorry.
0: Once you get started on the dad jokes, you can't stop.
1: All right. So this movie. Um, so I was afraid of this movie uh, for this review Mainly because as a teenager, which this movie came out in 96, so I was 16 when this came out. And I think when I watched it, uh, it was for a home movie night. My parents had rented it from the movie store, uh, which was a thing you did back then. And uh, we, we watched it in a family movie night, and I remember laying on the couch and watching this movie. Um, and I thought it was one of the greatest things I had ever seen at that point in my life. I got so sucked into this story. Um, the lions were terrifying, and I was cheering for the the hunters. And I just, oh, I loved this movie. It was one of my favorites when you know I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, coming back at it now that I am a grown man, um, I was like, oh, it's not going to hold up. I'm going to have regrets. I was like, I shouldn't do this, but we got to. We got to do it, right? <laughs> so I did it. I watched the movie, and I'm happy to say that. Well, I didn't love it as much as I did as a teenager, I still loved it. Um, what's not to like about this movie? You know, it's it's dark and mysterious. It's got Africa. It's got great acting in it. It's got great music in it. There's, you know, spooky, fog-covered scenes where lions are lurking and you don't know where they are. And you're with a guy who's got nothing but a rifle. And, you know, it's this man-versus-beast epic tale. And then on top of that, it's all true, you know? it's uh this is this is just quality quality cinema to me um this is one of those movies where you know if I'm at home and I'm flipping and I've got some time and I see this one which you never do anymore but if you did I'd be all over it I'm with you like the acting was great Michael Douglas in particular was amazing Val Kilmer was amazing um some of the supporting actors were pretty great too um Looking at people like Tom Wilkinson, who played the jerk Beaumont, uh, mm-hmm. John Connie, who was Samuel, uh, even uh, what Angus Starling and David Hawthorne, the doctor and the, uh, I guess the kind of aide, whatever that guy was, missionary slash aide. Yep. Um, good performances just all across the board. I thought uh, the music. I thought the music was well done. The like you mentioned the cinematography. I, I agree a hundred percent on that one. There are just some amazing shots. Now, there's there's a couple that are a little a little corny, a little cheesy. But you got to remember, it's '96, right? Um, <laughs> well, <there's... laughs> go ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, there CG technology was uh, in its infancy at the time, and mm-hmm. so uh, taking a real life lion and trying to get it to look like it was attacking a, a human being when it wasn't uh, was probably yeah. challenging. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you got to remember now, this is three years after Jurassic Park came out. So, I mean, That's there true. was some pretty solid uh, CG out there, but this movie didn't have that. It, I, I guess budget-wise or, or whatever, but um, mm-hmm. in any case, uh, aside from some of the, the goofiness um, that was in some of the scenes, most of the scenes, the overwhelming majority are just, just majestic and gorgeous, even... You know, from the scary scenes to the happy scenes, everything is well shot and well set. And, um, yeah, it definitely deserves a mention. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude, this is just, it's still, it's not my favorite, you know, but it's still one of my favorite movies. And I feel like it's always going to be just, I don't know, there's something about this movie that just, it gets me, you know.
0: Yeah. So did you, like, as soon as it started, I was like, is this going to be a horror movie? Um, did you get that sense? Um, and did you feel like they were trying to add horror tropes throughout the movie?
1: I mean, I can see it kind of being a horror movie. Um, I think your comparison to Jaws was apt. Um, Mm. because it kind of depends on how, would you consider Jaws a horror movie? Uh, most people would say yes, I think. Um, yeah. Horror, thriller. Yeah, like this this is very much in the same vein as jaws. Um, you know, man versus beast. You've got the the skilled hunter and the not so skilled hunter going out to try to stop it. Um honestly, I'd be surprised if jaws didn't have some inspiration in this story because remember this book was written, you know, in the early 1900s, so mm-hmm. um even though the jaws movie way predates the movie of the ghost in the darkness, the book itself, I think it was called the uh, the man of Zavo Sabo or something like that. Savo, mm-hmm. um you know that might actually have some influence there I don't know but I wouldn't be surprised
0: when the movie opens there is a certain haunting score that's going on um mm-hmm. and I haven't listened to the whole score uh on on its own but that that particular opening I was was very haunting mm-hmm. and then yeah just the even the um And it's later on the movie, but we get a point of view view shot from the lion's view, and Mm -hmm. you know, just like the shark
1: in Jaws, yep,
0: yep. Um, And of course, these lions are large, probably larger than normal lions, uh, and they are just decimating these these workers, and they can't do anything about it. And that does bring a, a point I wanted to make. So, in this movie, they do an aerial shot to show you the camp early on. Mm-hmm. And to me, the camp looks like it's maybe half a mile to a mile long, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, throughout the movie, I was just thinking, you know, how, how can they not take care of these lions? Like, they could, they have enough workers that they could just surround the entire camp. And if they see them, shoot them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I did some reading and the actual story, this camp was almost eight miles long.
1: Wow, really?
0: Yes. And so they weren't able to cover the area they needed to cover and these lions could just pick people off mm. because they didn't have the manpower power to cover the the sheer like square footage or area that they needed to cover for this eight mile encampment. And
1: you know, now that you mention that, I do I remember there's a part in the in the beginning of the movie right when patterson shows up and he's he's seeing the camp for the first time they mention you know they show him where they want him to put the bridge up but then they mention that uh, you know there's there's men that way building out already you know Mm -hmm. and i wonder if maybe that's part of the camp because maybe they're building the railroad out from where the bridge is going to finish i mean i could see that stretching out to you know this eight mile size but i'm just guessing i'm not sure
0: so yeah, I think uh, definitely a lot of inspiration either from Jaws or other uh, animal attack movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this movie is also based on a true story, as we said. Um, mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us about about that?
1: Yeah, so as we mentioned, the, there is a book um, called the the Savo Man um, I think that's what it was called but it was written by our main character in this movie uh, Colonel Pattinson um, and it, it it's kind of a memoir of his time building this bridge and his encounter with these lions um, you know you, you find out that uh, as you had mentioned earlier the camps are kind of spread out over eight miles and it's not just one camp it's a it's a group of camps and inside these camps there were several thousand laborers like this this place was just filled with workers Um. Patterson arrives and just days after he shows up, people start going disappearing. People start going disappearing. (laughs) People start disappearing. (laughs) And, um, you know, they're able to track it down to lions. Um, they, they continue work for almost nine months. So the timeline seems to be a little bit off from the movie to the books, but, um, over nine months of work, uh, these two, uh, these two lions, they were both male, but they didn't have manes, which is unusual. Um, started attacking the camps. They would, they would drag workers out of their tent at night and eat them, which is real grisly, but that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few months when the attack stopped completely, um, and when that happened, nearby settlements had reports of uh, killings from lions. And then they came back, and it got to where they were killing uh, crew members almost every single day. Um as this kept going on and on, uh, the workers started to flee. Uh, the bridge work completely stopped, and um, people started getting involved. You know, um, in this, uh, in in the real story, um, one of the main characters, I think uh, his name was Abdullah. Is that right? The uh, kind of the the head Indian worker. Yep. He uh, that guy actually existed, and he was actually killed by the lions. Um, they did manage to kill the lions, just like in the movie. Um, they killed two of them, uh, one and then the other. Uh, the lions were massive; uh, one was almost ten feet long. Um, and it said it took eight men to carry that. Uh, wow! So just just huge, huge lions, and they were legitimately like. Just killing for fun. Um, They, uh, you know, the exact number of people that they killed is not exactly clear, but uh, one of the estimates was 135 people. Um, Mm -hmm. I've heard some reports saying that that's a real big exaggeration, but um, there's no way to know. It's all written history, and that's all we got. Um, But uh, after the lions were killed, Colonel Patterson himself, he had the lions skinned, And turned into rugs, which he kept in his house for, I don't know, like 25 years or so. And then he sold the rugs to the Chicago Field Museum in Chicago, Illinois, here in the United States. And you can see them there today. They're on display. So if you want to actually see the skins of these lions, you can see them there. Um, Their skulls are there also. So you can see, you know, the actual lions that caused all this ruckus all those years ago.
0: Yeah, I liked how, also, at the very end of the movie, uh, Samuel, the narr- he kind of narrates the book. He bookends the movie as a narrator, and he says, you know, you can go to the Chicago Field Mu- Museum and see these lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a fascinating tale. I mean, I thought they did a pretty good job of, of translating that into the movie. One of the other... Uh, interesting parts of the movie is the relationship between Patterson uh, John Patterson and Charles Remington
1: oh man yeah that is a, that is a great part of this yeah uh,
0: Patterson you know is this call, calm cool collected engineer he's like a boy and, scout
1: though right he's very yeah. by the book very take charge very you know prim and proper and always stand up and you know don't slouch kind of guy mm-hmm. military guy right he's, he's a very military guy
0: yeah, and I think he's actually supposed to be Irish or Scottish, um, and Bal Kilmer does his best. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't have the greatest uh, accent, but he yeah. does it just just enough to let you know that's his heritage. Uh, and then Charles Remington is kind of the polar opposite. He's yes, he's crazy. He's uh, unorthodox. He's this world-renowned hunter. Um, He, He,
1: uh, when he shows up, right, he shows up and he's got this tribe of Masani, uh, people with him and they're, they're making like these pops and these hoots and they're doing this dance and everyone's like, what in the world? And the very first thing we see of him is he pulls out his gun and he holds it right to Abdullah's head. You're (laughs) just like, whoa, like, who is this crazy guy?
0: (laughs) Yeah. He, uh, somehow, um, disables that situation. By holding a gun to a guy's head. <laughs> uh I thought it was interesting that, you know, Remington doesn't show up for till forty minutes into the movie. So Patterson he starts as this confident engineer. He he just loves Africa. He's gonna get this bridge built in five months and then go home and see his wife and and, and newborn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the lion attacks start and he starts to lose confidence. He starts to question things um he's at his wit's end basically he's asking for help from beaumont he's asking for military backup beaumont is like you know pulling the jerk move he's like i'm not sending any military uh to help you you're on your own basically um but i believe he does he is the one that sends remington
1: um to help out yeah when uh, when he finds out how many people have been killed, he he agrees to send Remington after making fun of uh, poor Patterson's trailer trap. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was the worst idea ever. Well, it was a great idea. He just the the unfortunately the people he chose to man his trap were incompetent. Boy, yeah, I think <laughs> we should.
0: I want to mention that. So they've got this. Uh, I guess it's like a. Um, I don't know, like a railroad car? It's like a train, yeah, like a train cart. Yep. And so one end of it is open. That's where the lion comes in. The other end is barred by these steel uh, beams. And on the other side of those steel beams is where human beings are with guns. Mm -hmm. And so he hires some basically thugs and thieves to man this contraption and go on the other side of the steel beams to shoot at the lion whenever he gets trapped.
1: Yeah. The idea is to lure him in with the human bait. And then once he gets in, the door slams behind him and then the other men shoot the lion to death.
0: Yeah. Seems like a good idea. Uh, Theoretically sound. (laughs) According Uh, to Patterson. The lion comes in, the back of it shuts, trapping him in and the thieves they, instead of shooting, they start screaming, uh, fumbling with their guns. Also, it was established that they were really good shots. Mm-hmm. And they shoot at this lion, and they can't shoot through these
1: steel beams. It's this- like four rifle clips, and not one of the bullets hit the lion. And Patterson, he he can't believe it either. He's just like, what the- What happened? How did you not even wound it?
0: <laughs> the The bullets are ricocheting off the steel beams... Uh, and this lion is just tearing down these beams, like. And of course, they have a lantern. The lantern falls over and starts catching yeah. the hay on fire, or whatever's down there.
1: A little bit of a comedy of errors thing going on at this point. Th- yeah. That
0: was like we don't have a cheesiest moment uh, Spice Award this time, but if we had, that would have been it.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just just one more on that topic, right? It, it's it's like we said seeing the polar opposites of Patterson and Remington working together towards a common goal and finding those those opposites kind of forming a relationship. you know like after a while these two men start to respect each other and lean on each other and trust each other. and it's a it's a really neat part of this movie that I didn't remember and I didn't expect watching at this time. Um, it's almost like if uh, if we go back to our heat review and uh, you know you look at the cop, uh, the detective versus the robber, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one didn't work out so well, but, it, you know, if it would have worked out well, I feel like that relationship would have been kind of similar to this one. What did you think about the the setting that this place was in, right? Like, we're set in Savo, this, uh, you know, it's set up in Patterson's mind as just this jewel in Africa, right? Like, it's this amazing, gorgeous place that he wants to see. Uh, he gets there and one of his, you know, one of his leader's, Samuel uh, might have differing opinions. Uh, what, what do you think about that?
0: I think it's a it's a great way to set up this story. Um, you know, Savo apparently means the place of slaughter when translated. Um, and Samuel, even in the beginning when he's talking to Patterson, he says, you know, nothing works here. Savo is the worst place in the world. Um, and we don't really see other than the destruction these lions are causing we don't really see any of this other stuff where where we're demonstrating that this place is the worst place ever um, but it is a good way to basically get the audience in the mindset of you know this things aren't gonna go well here well here um, so yeah that w- that was a it was a great place to even if this wasn't the <laughs> actual place this was filmed it would have been a great way great place to to have this movie yeah
1: you know one of the things that i liked the most about this movie was the way that um the director he uh he, he takes the opening scene where patterson is, he's rolling into town right it's his first shot and he's so excited and he's looking around and he's taking everything yeah. in and, uh, you know, there's a couple of scenes where he looks out over this kind of wavy amber grass. It's very gladiator, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with the with the wheat fields, only it's a lot more red. And it's grass. But um, and, you know, you've got beautiful music and it's just it's so pretty, you know, and uh, very subtly over the course of the opening of this film. Um, we learned that, you know, the grass is where these lions lurk and it starts to take on this real sinister character Um this is kind of a, a cloud over it. And every time you look at that grass, every time he shows that shot, which he does a lot in this movie, it's almost like the grass is a little bit darker and the music is a little bit spookier, you know, mm-hmm. and you just, you never know what's out there. And I, I thought that was just brilliant how he, uh, how he took that, you know, this gorgeous scene and slowly morphed it into something that was just terrifying, you know, mm-hmm. using nothing but these two lions as its tool. And uh, I thought that was just awesome.
0: Yeah, he really used the, the grassland to its full effect. Uh, not only with the lions lurking, but uh, near the end when Remington is dead, uh, they the blood was all over the grass mm. in kind of a, almost a pattern or design. And then, of course, they burn the fields, uh, as one would do when they get frustrated.
1: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, at yeah. that point, I think it might have been justified. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm for usually sure. anti-burn the fields, but in that case, maybe, maybe that was the right call. <laughs> but something you touched on—foreshadowing. Um, watching this movie just recently now, with you know a little bit of knowing of what was coming, but not exactly. Um, this movie is really chock full of it, if you can, if you can pick up on it. There, there's quite a few moments. Uh, where they do some foreshadowing type things, oh yeah, and um, like uh, one that one that comes to mind in particular was with the uh, the character that was kind of his right hand man right at the beginning, um, Angus Starling, played mm-hmm. by Brian McCarty. Uh, there's a scene which he he actually winds up being killed by the lion in a scene where the lion kind of takes over the the train station area of the camps, but. Just prior to that scene, you hear him talking about how his hands are bleeding from building the walls um, around the village or the town or the camp, whatever, with these thorny bushes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he talks about how, you know, he, he sees the blood and he's like, I, you know, I, I don't mind the blood. I kind of like it, which is a little weird. But you're like, <laughs> well, what is that talking about? But um, I don't know. It really feels like like they're saying, yeah, he's about to go down, you know, he Oh, uh, for sure. He talks about how he um you know, he likes to see everybody working together and he, he like he's in a great mood and everything's happy. There's no attacks for a week and yeah, he drops this line about how he likes that he bleeds. It makes him feel <laughs> okay. And then, you know, in the back of your mind you're like you're bleeding, the lines are gonna smell the blood, and before you know it, he's gone. Yeah. No, I I was a hundred percent
0: confident when that scene was happening that I was I knew he was dead. <laughs> yeah. There's
1: several scenes like that, but that's the that's the most, uh, I guess, blatant one.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he dies in quite the grisly way, uh, slashed across the neck by Mm -hmm. a big lion. Uh, Why don't we get into some Spice Awards?
1: Spice Awards. All right, Spice Awards.
0: Uh, I made a little jingle, and last episode I put it in there, so it'll be in there this time. We're quite proud of it. <laughs> uh, I'm glad one of us is. The, Matt's beautiful voice. You can't prove that. I.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe you can. I can
0: totally prove it. <laughs> uh, first category: best actor.
1: Well. You know, it, to me, for the the best performance, it comes down to one or two people, right? It's got to be Kilmer or Douglas. Mm. Um, they they both do amazing in this uh, movie. I feel like, uh, but man, it's a it's a close one. It's so close. I want to give it to uh, to Kilmer because I know that Kilmer was really really working hard on this movie um we'll get into some of that on the did you know it was but like he was just killing it on this film and he did amazing but i've got to give it to michael douglas changing plans get him back now get him all back get him back go back quickly go back go back Go back! Go back!
0: Alright, you listen while I talk because you got a question needs answering. Will I pull this trigger? You don't know all
1: that has happened yeah. He will pull the
0: trigger, Abdullah. The, the, the devil has come to Savo. Oh, you're right. The devil has come to Sabo. Look at me.
1: You know, from the moment he comes on screen, he just dominates everything. He dominates the screen. Um, I'm always watching him. I want to know what he's going to do. He's he's half crazy, but he knows what he's doing. He's you know, you can trust him to get you out of here, but at what cost, you know? Um I just can't take my eyes off mm-hmm. of him. And uh the way he plays this uh at first crazy, but then you know, you see this method to his madness kind of character where he uh you know, he kills cuz he's good at it, but not because he likes it and he loves nature and he loves Africa just Knocked it out of the park, man. So, yeah, very close to me between Michael Douglas and Doc Kilmer, but I've got to give it to Michael Douglas.
0: I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> uh, I, too, <laughs> think uh, Michael Douglas was the best actor in this movie. I mean, he shows up 40 minutes after the movie started, and within seconds, he becomes the most interesting character in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And no no disrespect to Val Kilmer or his performance, but, you know, Michael Douglas had more—he he was able to have more fun with it, I'm, I presume, you know?
1: Yeah, he had an advantage, and the character's a little more interesting in the long run, right? Because, you know, you've got the kind of the straight guy, Kilmer, playing Patterson. Um, and then you've got Michael Douglas coming in at a time where everything's tense, and he's giving us this "I'm going to fix it, I'm the hero" kind of vibe, mm. you know. And so, I, I feel like audiences in general are going to tend to like uh, Remington over uh, Patterson. Yeah,
0: and you know, as we mentioned, there's so much about his backstory that we don't know. Like he he lost his family. He uh, doesn't enjoy killing. Uh, even though he's a world-renowned hunter, um, all these aspects just make his character more interesting, and he's able to to do those things with almost ease, um, and that just shows how good of an actor yeah. he is and and how well he played this part.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's got to be hard to play someone that's as crazy as that Remington character is. But make it believable and likable at the same mm-hmm. time, and he really, he really pulls that yep. off.
0: All right, well, that one was easy. Michael Douglas as R- Charles Remington. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Any other honorable mentions you want to bring up there? Uh just Kilmer and Douglas, or do you want to throw anyone else? Well, in? I've got,
0: I've got one for underrated performance um, that we can talk about in All a right. minute. Um, I thought Tom Wilkinson was the, a really good douchebag. Um, oh yeah, absolutely <laughs> Like, not even hiding it Like, there was no nuance there He was just straight up I'm a, I'm a, I'm a jerk and you're gonna And you're gonna hear about it You know yeah.
1: Hate me, yeah
0: So, but he did a pretty good job He was barely in the movie though uh, Most underrated performance So mine, um, I think John Connie Did a great job as Samuel
1: With both Hindu and Muslim Perhaps I can help you can certainly try. It won't work. Nothing works here. Savo is the worst place in the world.
0: Um, mm-hmm. he is well liked, well respected. Uh, he acts as kind of the mediator between Patterson and Remington. He apparently knew was old friends with Remington, and Patterson wasn't aware of that. He and John Connie does a great job of portraying all of that in the character of Samuel. Uh I like that they added the little thing that he is afraid of lions. <laughs> and so he's like in the worst spot possible, uh, for himself. He was quite underrated and he kind of uh created a link between the two uh differing characters of Patterson and Remington.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> um <laughs> We're we're in agreement yeah. this evening. Uh yeah, John Connie did great, right? That character was amazing. He uh you know, he, he kinda had this um what was the character's name in Robin Hood Prince of Thieves? Um, oh, gosh. That Morgan Freeman played. I can't remember the character's name, but he kinda has that vibe, right? Like he's kind of this uh, this advisor that's always there and it's always got your back. Mm-hmm. Um, all the people respected him. Uh, you found out that he and Remington had a prior relationship and that they knew each other and, uh, respected each other. Um, Remington knew that he was afraid of lions. Yeah, that was funny. Um, and you know, if you watch him in the, in the background of the scenes, every time they're hunting lions, he looks petrified. <laughs> um, he did great yeah like i I agree completely i thought he was good um i do want to mention brian mccarty Mm -hmm. um i thought he did really well as angus the kind of happy-go-lucky um missionary slash foreman slash whatever he was there i never really understood what his role was but he did great um David Hawthorne, I thought the uh, that's the doctor played by Bernard Hill. I thought that was an okay character, but there wasn't a lot of screen time, so it was hard to get a good judgment on him. Um, and really, I mean, character wise, we're, we're starting to run out of characters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, the uh, Abdullah, he did great. I thought who was that? Uh, Ampuri? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he did really good as Abdullah, the the leader of the Indian. Uh, workers yeah. um he was he was a jerk, but he was understandably a jerk, you know what I mean mm-hmm. like he he that's not right saying he's a jerk is not true. he just they, he came across as um a little abrasive, maybe his interests
0: uh, were for but, the workers, uh, and so
1: yeah, yeah, and we're seeing the the movie from the perspective of the the boss yeah. you know, and so when he's like, we're not gonna work anymore, there's lines you know you get the you get the view of all oh, well, this guy's afraid; he's just running. You know that's the way they kind of portray it, but that's not really fair because you know I'd, I'd probably do the same mm-hmm. thing if I was on that work crew. You know, yeah. um, so I mean, lots of lots of good mentions here, um, but honestly, man, when it all boils down to just you know underrated performance, it's got to be John Connie as Sam. Yep. he uh, he knocked it out of the park.
0: All right, another softball. Uh, I do want to mention before we move on, this movie has a lot of subtle humor that I did not expect. Um, it reminded me when we were talking about, uh, the lot, him being scared of lions, uh, because Remington asked him to go on to join him to go on the hunt. And, uh, later on he's like, why did he ask you? And he was like, cause he knows I'm scared of lions and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, there was just a lot of a very subtle humor, uh, humorous moments. I hate to be a bother, John, but Shh. the cramp is getting worse. The pain is actually quite unbearable now. I'll just have to cope with it, Angus. That is precisely my plan.
1: But back at my tent.
0: You'll be dead before you ever get to your tent.
1: A lion will eat you. I know.
0: This Is the best way to hunt a lion?
1: I don't know. I've never even seen one.
0: And the one that we kind of mentioned before when they were hunting the first lion Angus is like uh, Something along the lines of uh, How do you know what to do And he's like I don't I've never hunted lions before And Angus yeah, is like "Oh, That part
1: was great <laughs> I can't feel my leg I'm in quite excruciating yeah, pain and he's like, you know, You're uh, just going to have to deal with it <laughs> It's like oh, I'm going to go back to the tent and he's like oh that's fine but uh, you know, The lions will kill you before yeah. you get there <laughs> You ever failed at anything what? John? You ever failed at anything? You ever failed before John? No Only at life. That was great. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I just kind of threw that at you, but that was a great. I had that in my notes.
0: Uh, I wanted to bring that up to you. Favorite scene.
1: It's got to be the, uh, the final showdown between Patterson and the last lion. Um, you know, at this point, Remington, he's been dragged off and mauled. Um, there's nobody really left except Samuel and Patterson. And uh, this lion is chasing him down. It's running him through camp. He winds up climbing up a tree. The lion's chasing him up a tree. Uh, Samuel climbs up a tree, too, and tries to toss him the gun, which he can't catch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's unarmed. He winds up jumping out of the tree to get to the gun. And, of course, the lion jumps down right after him. And it is just, oh, my gosh, I'm right on the edge of my seat even just thinking about it mm-hmm. right now. Like, this lion is just right on him. And he's pulled out, he pulls out this pistol that he got off of Remington. Remington gave it to him uh, when he decided he wanted to climb up on top of that, um, that structure that he built to hunt them mm-hmm. off of. And, uh, you know, he shoots the lion and he, uh, you know... it it jumps away and he, he loses sight of it and, you know, he takes it out again and that's when he finally kills it. And if, if you think about the fact that there's only one scene that uses an animatronic lion in this entire movie. Now I'm not sure what scene it is. I don't know if it's this one or if it's a Mm -hmm. different one, but, um, if it wasn't, then we're talking about pretty much entirely, um, live lion shots, maybe in some cases spliced into, you know, places in the food in the movie. But, um, they did all of that through just sound editing and cuts, you know, between, you know, uh, Kilmer and these these lions. And the way that that's all stitched together and put together and as tense as that moment is. And, man, it's just an incredible scene. And, uh, in my opinion, hands down the best of the
0: movie. Yeah. Moment. And you don't see any of this. You don't Although, see the seams.
1: Mm-mm. Yeah, you can't tell it's cut. Although it has to be. You know it has to be. Because he's not really having lions jumping down out of trees on top of him and stuff.
0: (laughs) I debated between that one and the one that I picked, uh, which was when we first find out there are two lions... Um, Oh which, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. That's a good one too. So
0: unexpected because one, I didn't understand the title of the movie until that moment. I didn't understand mm-hmm. that the lions had names and that's why <laughs> that's the title of the movie. Uh, one is called the ghost and one is called the darkness. Um, spoilers.
1: <laughs> really? I didn't know. Yeah. That. They, that's. I didn't catch that. I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what they named them. Um, uh, and so that was a revelation huh. and then there he's uh patterson's moving through uh this uh the train area and he looks up he points his gun up to the roof and i'm like there's not gonna be a lion up there what are you doing and he uh continues to move forward and he sees the lion on the ground and i'm like see he was on the ground the whole time and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he turns around and there's a lion up on the roof and <laughs> jumps down and, you know, kills Angus and scratches his arm. And I'm like, go oh, whoa. You know, that was, was very yeah. surprising. Um, and then after that was when Samuel was like, yeah, the, it's two lions and we call one the ghost and the other the darkness. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense now. <laughs> uh, mm. But that is my pick, and, uh, yeah, a, a, oh, a gruesome one. death for poor Angus, and they show it, you know, they show his uh, front area all slashed up.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a, a spine chiller there. When he turns around and you see it, just looking at them on top of the roof, it's just like, oh, no, <laughs> it's a, that's a good pick, mm-hmm. yeah
0: when we first meet the ghosts in the darkness and yours was the last scene between the last lion and Patterson.
1: Yeah. The showdown Mm -hmm. at the
0: end, both good scenes. Coolest lion moment. Mine uh, for this one had to be, uh, when we see the point of view from the lion in black and white, uh, because I believe it's true that lions are colorblind However, mm-hmm. I thought we saw a little bit of red in that in that shot, and I don't know if that was like just a stylistic choice or if they can see red or something. I don't I don't think they can, but
1: you sure you weren't watching Shinzo? <laughs>
0: that's what it reminded me of. When I When I saw it, I was like, <laughs> oh, there's a little hint of red there at the bottom of his little uh, his little structure he made. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Uh, hmm. But by far, that was... I think it, the reason it had such an impact on me was, A, because it was so different from the other shots, and because it was a point of view of the, the lion, and also, we had this is near the end, and so we've seen these lions lurk and prowl and be predators and kill, and now we get to see kind of what they're looking at uh when they're stalking their prey
1: i guess uh for me the the coolest lying moment has to come from the attack on the new hospital Um, oh boy i uh i remembered that and i knew it was coming um and and for a little bit i thought maybe i was misremembering it because i knew you know they so for the listeners who haven't seen this movie there's a hospital that is just always crowded with people and uh, that's what we were referencing earlier. When Remington first shows up, he goes in that hospital, and he's like, this is a lion's dream. Y'all have to get out of here. And so he moves everyone out of the hospital, has them build a new one uh, away, a, a distance away, and they, uh, they take that one, and they load it up with like old meat and blood, and they try to use it as a trap to kill the lions. And uh, it works. The lions come, and they start attacking this building with them inside of it. Uh, but unfortunately the lions kind of get wise to what's going on and they scoot well before patterson and remington realize that the lions have gotten out um they start hearing screams across camp and it comes to find out that the or we you know we get to find out that the lions had attacked this new hospital and they are just going nuts they're just killing everybody in this hospital there's there's a little bit of uh comedy in the middle of this horror really because i remember there's there's this one scene where a guy climbs the tent pole and he's up at the top holding on <laughs> and the the lion is like on the ground swiping at him and it looks just like a cat playing with a mm-hmm. string toy or something um i think that was supposed to be like really horrifying but it really just came off as silly yeah. to me so that that's one one strike for that scene but uh the one the, the the part that stuck me the most in that whole scene was there's a there's a part where there's a a sick guy, and he he gets down under his bed. He's terrified. You can tell he's sweating. He's sick, and these lions in his hut in the you know in the room with him. He gets under the bed, and then we cut to the lion, and you just see the lion jerk its head down, and you see its eye, and their eyes meet, and then the guy just gets rugged out from mm-hmm. under the bed, and that's the last we see from him. Uh, ooh, <laughs> that was a creepy scene, man, and it was so yeah. good because it was like it really shows the lions it shows how powerful they are. It shows how merciless, like they're just, they're just these killing, you know, beasts. They, uh, man. Yeah. And there's just nothing you can do about it. Yep. You know, like what do you do? Nothing. And, uh, so yeah, that, that part I thought was great. Woo. Well, great. It may be the wrong word, but it yeah. was chilling. It was a really cool line. Yep. Um,
0: I just, <laughs> that moment, uh, frustrated me partially because they built this new hospital they tried to lure them over there and they were just so smart that they knew they needed to go to the other hospital
1: and just feasted yeah they don't really explain it but my guess was like you know the original hospital was in a building and this new one was in a mm-hmm. tent and so i'm just i'm guessing that the the scent of the sick and the wounded got out and that's what drew them but that's yeah, just a guess I, probably I don't know. It could be, you know, plot armor. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, this doesn't I wanted to mention one more scene that doesn't really have the lions in it, but when they when they discover the lion's den See all of the uh, um, skulls, human bones, and everything just piled high, almost, Mm -hmm. almost uh, like something out of a something not real, of course. Uh,
1: And that's that's one of the only times we see Remington start to kind of lose his cool, right? Like you can tell he's second guessing stuff when he sees those bones.
0: Yeah, I just thought that was interesting too. so, coolest line moment. I said uh when the when we see the point of view shot with the black and white um from the lion's view and hmm. Matt's was the lion attack in the hospital tent. We got a couple more favorite character. And this I guess this means just the actual character not the actor playing the character.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is a tough one too, right? Like I'm tempted to go for um, Remington again, but I'm going to get off of Remington because we've talked about mm. him enough. Um you know, I'm tempted to say uh, Patterson because he's super interesting too, and I think he's great and he's a good guy, and uh, you, you cheer for him. It's easy to cheer for him. Um but you know who I think I'm going to You know who I think I'm going to pick for this one? Tell now? me. I bet I bet you wouldn't guess it.
0: Probably not. <laughs>
1: Uh, the lion i uh, am going to give this one to a character whose name i'm going to probably mispronounce his name was mahina yes i think mahina it's like we're mahina <laughs> were you gonna yes. pick this one too <laughs> no you weren't no you weren't get out of here all right i'm not you gonna can pick see mahina. my notes
0: that no, was look at my notes it says besides I... remington comma mahina
1: fine fine i'm i'm going off of him i'm gonna go with angus you don't have to i just
0: think it's funny i'm going to anyway
1: i'm doing it anyway because we've already had two overlaps i'm i want to be different (laughs) don't judge me for wanting to not be like you that's or maybe do mm -hmm. i don't know anyway uh i'm going with angus uh angus was i thought a good character he was optimistic he was happy he seemed like he was out of place but um, despite all the hardships he always tried to keep a positive attitude he was always looking on the bright side of everything um i felt like uh, his death really was um interesting because you know up to that point in the movie he was not one of the main players mm-hmm. you know it was uh patterson and, and him and then the doctor but the doctor only came in every once in a while and uh you know, they turn around and they see the lion up on top of this train station. The lion jumps down and that's it. Right? Like, he doesn't jump on mm-hmm. Angus. He uh, he just jumps past him and just kind of nonchalantly swipes him as he goes down. And that's it. Like, that's all it takes. Yeah. He's gone. You know? Uh, I thought that was really clever to not make that a big, a big scene. Just to have the lions just, you know, I'm hopping down off of here. I'm going to go take a... Bye to this guy that we've killed, and oh, by the way, <laughs> dead. You know, yeah. Uh, so that's who I'm going with, Angus. Um, although, like I said, I'm really tempted to go with Remington, but I'm I'm not going to because he's gotten enough credit. <laughs> so let's, let's spread the credit.
0: <laughs> I did like you know it had to be a challenge because Angus is uh, appears to be a Catholic or a Christian. And
1: maybe maybe we should change this sorry this award from favorite character to favorite side character. Okay. Cuz that's what we're doing. Favorite right? side character. All right, that's sorry fine. about that. Go ahead.
0: Um, you know, he's a Catholic and it's mentioned that, you know, there are Hindus, there are Indians, there are Christians, there are Muslims, you know, all walks of ethnicities and religions in this camp. And you know, he's trying to convert them. <laughs> Uh, to Christianity Mm -hmm. so you know you can imagine he's had a a tough road on top of the fact that he you know isn't out of his element with the lions and everything yeah um so as was as was uh, foretold mine is Mahina
1: four thrilling weeks aren't we full of ourselves today I think it's because of the lion uh, John. You know, I also have killed a lion.
0: How many shots did you need?
1: I used my hands.
0: Oh. Uh, John, four weeks is just not enough time. You just have to use your hands. He wasn't in the movie very long. Uh. But. He was really interesting. Um. He mentions when he first meets Patterson that he. Uh, after Patterson shoots the first lion, he says, I once killed a lion. And Patterson goes, Oh? And he says, Yes, with my bare hands. And, you know, he has some, I don't, I couldn't tell if they were scars or if he was painted on his face. Um, but he had something on his face. And they kind of became fast friends. Uh, they had a mutual respect. And Mahina was kind of the driving force of morale for the workers and things were going well there for a moment until he gets dragged out of his tent by a lion and then dragged through the thorns and briars and his face is ripped off and
1: he was the first one to go yeah to.
0: it was a it was another tragic death of a character that you kind of grew close to in a short period of time
1: yeah they really took him like at first you're just like who is this dude and then he just like slowly over yeah. the course of not 10 minutes grows on you. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that, <laughs> that's the end of him.
0: <laughs> so favorite side character. Mine was Mahina. Matts was, uh, Angus Starling. Angus last category of the spice awards. Scariest scene. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're going to have the same one here. Okay. I'm 100% we're going to have the same one. You don't uh, even tell me no, what it I is. I know it's going to be the same one.
0: Okay. The dream sequence yeah, Surprise me. Uh for me was the scariest scene because I am a father of two and uh when it was happening I didn't realize it was a dream sequence and I just assumed uh so I guess I should set up what's happening. Uh <laughs> Patterson is married. He is having a baby and he comes out of his tent and at the train station he sees his wife and baby newborn and he is elated he's happy he's shocked um but he runs to to greet them at the station and then you see the lion and then he sees the lion and he's like oh no And so he starts running faster and faster. Uh, but he can't get to them because all the people are in the way and the lion attacks his wife, presumably killing them. And then he wakes up and you find out it's all a dream. Um, but up until I thought it knew it was dream, that was the single most scariest scene because I could just picture my wife and child in that position. Um, so that that is my scariest scene.
1: Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, the scariest scene, it, it's hands down got to be the dream sequence. <laughs> 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 well, you were um, right. Yeah. I might have peeked at the notes. I'm sorry. But um, here's, the, here's the thing. I remember that from when I was watching this for the first time as a teenager and you know how time changes your memories a little bit, right? Um, I was convinced that that was a real scene. Uh, When I was, when I was, for some reason as a teenager, I didn't realize that was a dream or I did. And I've just forgotten over the years, which is probably more likely. But, um, you know, I was watching the movie and I saw her get off of that train and I was like, here it comes, here it comes. I know it. But this time as an adult, there were some telltale signs that it wasn't real, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, uh, all the workers are back. Yep, that's where did what they come from? Yep. Everyone had left. Uh, two, when the lions start to run and attack, the workers don't really react; mm-hmm. they just kind of keep working. Um, whereas, you know, every previous scene we've seen with the lions, the workers are just flipping. Um, and And so, I was a little more prepared for it this time because I recognized hey this isn't this is a dream, but I didn't remember that it was a dream, and that scene has haunted me since I was sixteen years old because <laughs> I was convinced that the line just mauls his wife and son. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really glad to find out I was wrong, honestly <laughs> uh, but still, I'm with you, right like as as a husband and a father, that's a worst nightmare scenario, you know something like that happening and there's just nothing you can do about it and, and seeing it happen right in front of you. It's just terrifying. Even more so than the thought of, of getting pulled out of your tent in the middle of the night, which is also terrifying, but less so than having it happen to someone that you love that much, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, it. yeah, I agree completely. That that scene, oh, it's such a haunting scene. It, it, it's not as powerful now as it used to be, even knowing that it's a dream. It's just... It's lost some, there's some CG in there that's not so great, and you yeah. can see that now, but it's still, man, it's still real powerful.
0: Yeah, really, the moment, it was from the moment he wakes up and comes out of his tent to the moment he starts struggling with the crowd, because at that point, I knew it was a dream, and so I was like, oh, it's a dream, but up until that point, I was like, oh, no. Um mm-hmm.
1: But then, yeah, that you're like, why is she? Why is she here? Yeah, like, why did she come to Africa with a baby? Ugh.
0: but you know, it's not a dream hmm. when she actually shows up in Africa <laughs> yes, at the end of the movie. Right.
1: She sure does. What? What was she <laughs> thinking? And what was he thinking? Like, like, think about how hard it must have been for for you know this this young lady with a baby traveling from, you know, where were they? I don't know where they left from. The United States somewhere. All the way to Africa, by yourself, caring for a baby, a newborn baby, the whole time. Like, oh my gosh, that's that sounds like a nightmare. That's got to be awful.
0: Yeah. And they, they don't know that they've killed all the lions. They know they've killed the the two. Mm-hmm. But there are other lions in Africa. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. There's no way I would I would have sent a letter or a... Uh, what do you—a telegram or something—and uh, mm. been like? Don't come to Africa. <laughs>
1: yeah, please don't. <laughs> and
0: if you—and don't bring the baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you do come, don't bring the the newborn child. Yeah, that's uh, not a bad call.
0: Uh, all right, so we both chose the dream sequence. Yeah, um, lots
1: well, of scary moments in that. The you know the hospital. Uh, scene is really scary too. Oh yeah, I don't feel like I don't feel like anything comes close to that scene. Yeah,
0: for sure. All right, let's move on into some. Did you know?
1: Who who? who what what? Uh, this is a, right. a
0: section where we uh come up or look up some facts on the internet that may or may not be true, but still ones that we thought were interesting enough to share. The one that stands out the most to me is just the. Production woes of this movie. Um, yeah. Stephen Hopkins, who was the director, apparently they had people were snake bitten. They were bitten by scorp or stung by scorpions. They had fever from ticks. People were struck by lightning. There were floods. There were storms. Hippos were chasing people through the water. Cars were sh- swept into the water two drownings of crew members (laughs) uh and they still managed to make this movie like Mm -hmm. at this point i would i mean sure some movie productions are like this if they're out in the in the wilderness or whatever but my goodness if you've got crew members dying I don't. I don't know how you continue production at that point, but mm-hmm. they did.
1: And you know, not uh, not quite as bad, but you know, another movie that had really is uh, kind of notorious for having a hard time filming.
0: Jaws. Oh. I did not know that.
1: Oh yeah, there's there's whole books about how how rough that movie was to make. Now. We're not talking snake bites and scorpion bites and tick bite fever and people getting hit by lightnings and floods and torrential rains and lightning storms <laughs> and hippos, pacing people through the water and cars getting swept and several deaths, including two drownings. But they had a lot of problems. With <laughs> maybe not that kind of problems. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe a little less in uh, <laughs> quality, you might say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing that I liked about this film and something that made me um, – respect val kilmer as an actor even more than i already had is the fact that uh, he was under a lot of stress during this movie um he he came onto this set which as you mentioned was just awful right you got people getting (laughs) hurt and dying and floods and storms uh he has just finished doing the island of dr moreau uh which was not well received we'll say um he he had just finished that and he was getting bad publicity. Uh, he was getting divorced at that point in time. And, uh, you know, he, he showed up to the set and they just started filming. Like he had almost no prep time, uh, just exhausted, tired, rolling into this rough, rough set. And bam, he's working six, seven days a week for four months straight, uh, filming constantly in bad conditions. And, um, you know, Hopkins said that he just, he really came through. He was really proud of him and that it, it really was evident that uh, Val Kilmer had a, a passion for this movie. And, yeah. um, you know, looking at his performance in the context of that information, man, he really did do great, right? Like, you can tell that he uh, he really was working, you know? yeah, He was doing his best, it's just some of his best work, in my opinion. So. Yeah. I think he did great.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think he in real life he actually too had a love for Africa. Like he mm. he wanted to go there. He wanted to to spend time there. <laughs> um some interesting uh alternative casting. Um Kevin Costner was supposed to star as Patterson. Um I can see it. Yeah. I could I think, definitely uh, see some Costner in this movie.
1: I think Kilmer really did well. And I, I think Kilmer would have been the better choice between the two. But I think Costner could have done a really, really good job with this also.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, this this role sort of reminds me of Dances with Wolves a little bit.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah. I'm with you. So I, I, I could see
0: why they would seek him out to, to play this. Um Sean Connery and Anthony Hopkins were both considered for the part of Remington.
1: Yes, on both counts. <laughs> yeah. Honestly to goodness, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know we just talked about how um you know uh Michael was the just amazing as Remington. But um man, man, I think either one of those would have been just awesome too i think they would have been incredible
0: yeah they both could could have played that crazy but relatable character uh for sure for i keep
1: thinking back to the uh to the edge that movie with the bear and mm-hmm. anthony hopkins and like oh i can just see him revising that as or i guess inventing it at that point <laughs> as remington i just oh i think that'd be a great fit yeah Sean Connery, me, Anthony Hopkins, yeah, <laughs> but
0: yeah, I would I would have liked a little Connery there.
1: It turned out well as mm-hmm. it did. Michael Douglas did amazing. Uh,
0: and I think Michael Douglas got that part because he was the producer of the film, and way too late he had decided he wanted to play the part. Um, mm-hmm. and I think you know Stephen Hopkins has gone on record saying this movie is a mess uh, because Michael Douglas changed the script so that he could have more screen time. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. I don't think it's it's a mess, uh, but... Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. And on that note, we mentioned much earlier in this podcast that there are some plot holes. Mm -hmm. Apparently... um, like you're saying, Douglas recut the movie in post production and removed up to forty five minutes of different scenes so that he could have the screen time that you're talking about. Yep. Um, that is why some of these stories have plot holes, Like some of the story, the story has some plot holes, and some of the the parts just don't go anywhere. Right. Like we were talking about the Maasai people uh, disappearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume that in the uncut version prior to that, uh, we would find out what happened there
0: yeah and uh i think the body count drastically changed at some point uh and Mm -hmm. was never mentioned you know how how that happened or how that changed
1: right yeah it's like one person and then it cuts and they're like 35 people (laughs) every night for the last three months and you're like what (laughs) when did that happen yeah
0: i as you are um are video game lovers um and I found a couple of late uh factoids that I thought would were interesting. Uh references to the movie. Mm-hmm. In uh, Railroad Tycoon 2, there the Savo Lions are um kind of an obstacle to be overcome in the game. Uh in That's one of the neat. scenarios. I thought that was very cool.
1: That is pretty neat.
0: Yeah. And in the MMO World of Warcraft, uh, never heard of that. <laughs> what's that? What game is that? <laughs> um yeah, that, was, that was a bad joke. There's a uh, tiger that can be found in the game, and his name is Savoka, which is, well, it says translation "ghost in the darkness," but I don't think that's true, because yeah,
1: I don't know what the translation's from. Savoka,
0: Savo, we it's as World we, of
1: Warcraft that could be troll. Yeah. You know?
0: Savo, as we've established, uh, translates to uh,
1: place of slaughter, it's slaughter or something. So, at least according to the movie. Yeah. that's what the movie claims. Uh, there was a uh, originally a different director scheduled to attach to this movie. It was not Stephen Hopkins, John. It was a director whom we've already covered once on this podcast.
0: One Michael Mann. Yeah, that. I don't know. I don't that would have that would have made possibly a better movie. I'm not sure. At least you know it would have been if, w- well researched.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? That's where I was going to go. If he took the amount of attention to detail that he applied to heat and he turned that into an authenticity of what those camps were like, you know, exactly. Oh, that would have been really interesting. mm mm-hmm. Mhm so i've got to give him that that uh if if he put that amount of effort into this movie it would be really interesting although i have to wonder you know michael mann sounds like he's um, probably difficult to work with because he's somewhat of a perfectionist and very very detail-oriented yeah i wonder how that would have combined with the rough shooting locations that they were dealing with oh geez yeah sounds like a nightmare right people may have quit (laughs) yeah
0: Gotten on a train and left.
1: That's what. What happened? <laughs> In uh, life imitating art. Yes, imitating life. <laughs>
0: well, do we have any closing thoughts on this movie?
1: So this is a movie that I feel like um, has been kind of forgotten. You know, this, this is a, this is a film that when I was a teenager, as I've mentioned, it was one of my favorite movies. Uh, I still love it today. It holds up a lot better than I thought it would, and I really was afraid it wouldn't. Um, if you haven't seen this one, I want to encourage you to go see it. Be be ready, though. Kind of have a strong stomach, because there's some gore in it. It's It's got some hard content. Um, it, it is an R-rated film, and that's going to be for gore more than anything. But, uh, man, it, it's, a, it's a great movie. It's a true story. Um and, you know, if you're interested uh, in the story directly from Colonel Patterson's mouth, you can read his memoir of the event, uh, the, the Salvo Man-eaters. That's uh, T-S-A-V-O, Maneaters. Um, you can look that up on Amazon or your local bookstore anywhere pretty much, and you can find a copy of that and find out exactly what happened straight from his mouth. Um, it's rare that we get that opportunity, and so I want to encourage you all to not only watch this movie, but to also check out that book.
0: I don't know if I was just in the mood to watch this kind of movie or just in the mood to watch the movie in general, but I really, really liked it. Um, and I recommend like Matt that you go out and watch it because it, it's quite fascinating. Um, it has a 51% rotten tomato score on, uh, rotten tomatoes by critics, uh, but a 75% audience score. Um, and I think I, I definitely fall more in line with the audience score than the uh, critic score. But even the director yeah. himself said the movie was a mess. So, you know, I think for for the critical eye or maybe the more critical eye, there's just the plot holes and stuff kind of dings it a little bit. But I don't think it dings it mm-hmm. enough to to give it a a fifty one percent.
1: I would probably come in in the high eighties. Honestly, yeah,
0: yeah seventy. 75 is really good. I, I think that's 75 to 80 is where I would put it. Um, <clears throat> so definitely check this out if if you haven't seen it. And maybe you're like me and you've never heard of it. Uh, so if you're listening, now you have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to be our episode for tonight. If you liked what you heard, uh, was... S- subscribe to your podcast player of choice and, and leave us a review on Apple podcasts. Uh, you can also head on over to cinemamanpodcast.com to check out new and old episodes. We always love to hear from listeners so if you have a suggestion or you want to give us your take on maybe this movie, uh, email us at feedback at
1: Yeah, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I kind of always drop this in at the end, but if you've made it this far in particular, thank you so much for listening to the whole show today. We really do appreciate it. Uh, We're two amateur podcasters who uh, do this for fun. Uh, We're not making any money for it or anything like that. We just enjoy it. And so thank you so much. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Um, We'd love to see you, you know, suggest a, a movie to watch. Maybe leave a comment, maybe some feedback on how you think the show could be better. Uh, We'd really like that. So, um, again, thank you so much. Uh, If you can uh, leave us some feedback, great. If not, thank you anyway. We're really glad you're here with us and listened with us. And uh, we'll, I guess, talk to you next time.